Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the seventh day of October 2022. Happy, glorious, beautiful Friday. I missed you. It's so good to see you again. I love the weekend. I don't love a parade, though, ironically enough. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, rating and reviewing on iTunes and all that good stuff. It all matters. It all very much matters, and I appreciate the hell out of it as we grow and sort of recovered from the screw up from iTunes where like for 10 days the show wasn't there so thank you for that welcome back to everybody and welcome to the new people and don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com and sign up to support the show enter the contests do uh, what else we get to see pictures I'll post some pictures of my daughter's birthday party when I take if I take them and, uh, yeah, all that good stuff off the low, low price of $5 a month. You get extra shows and all sorts of goodies. And it just, it makes you, uh, I don't know, it assuages your guilt, takes care of your guilt of just getting this beautiful content for free. <laughs> I don't think you have any guilt over that, nor should you. But it does help out. So I appreciate that. It helps out immeasurably. All right. Let's get started with the show so we can get started with the weekend, okay? Lots going on in the world today, making your way in the world today. Tons of stuff happening. As you sit there and you watch the the news breaking, the uh, president, I love how they try to make this president seem like, wow, look at Joe Biden. Can you believe Joe He's such an inspiration. He's such a this, he's such a that. And you sit there and you, a normal person looks at an octogenarian who can't remember where he is half the time. Age doesn't really have anything to do with it, but it just so happens to be a factor here. He can't remember where he is half the time. And you go, that's, that's not good. That's not good. You feel a little bit bad for him, and you think, boy, what did he do? How big of a bastard was this guy to his wife that his wife would allow him to go through these sorts of things? It crosses the mind. It crosses the mind. And you're sitting there and you're going, no, no, that's horrible, horrible, horrible. And then you realize he, he kind of deserves it. He kind of deserves it. And the media still sl- just slurps up to him. Oh, Joe, you're, you're so wonderful. He told some mayor down there, no one Fs with a Biden. No one Fs with a Biden? No one Fs, it seems like everybody Fs with a Biden. It seems like Fing with a Biden is uh, is really pretty easy to do. Because all you do is you leave Biden alone and watch a Biden. And you go, there. look at him. Look at him. Hunter smoking crack. Joe being a horrible dad. All the things that Bidens are known for. He He loves to have this weird, inflated sense of self. Self-worth. He's a Biden. I give him my word as a Biden. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not a Biden. And I've watched you lie over the past, you know, entirety of your career. Your word doesn't mean squat to me. Why would your word mean anything to anyone? I give him my word as a Biden. That's like saying, I give you my word as a father. Well, you, uh, you raised a crackhead prostitute frequenter. Not really sure I want your word as a father. 
Your other daughter's got her own addiction problems. She's uh, claiming that you uh, had inappropriate showers with her when uh, she uh, was a kid. That uh, doesn't seem to warrant any investigation from the media, but for me, I think, you know what? That guy's word ain't worth all that much because it's not like Ashley Biden had a falling out with Joe. Oh, now that horrible, horrible Joe. I never want to talk to him. She's there. She knows that she's got to be there because that's the way to get the family money. She's got to be there. She doesn't have a choice. I'm sure that ultimatum was made to her by either mom or dad. So you sit there and you look at her and you're like, she's normally adult children of a president they get some attention. They get some media attention. Not, you know, everything. They don't. I mean, I guess the Trump model, adult children of a president, got nothing but attention. They were attacked constantly by the media and uh, investigated wildly everything they did and anything anybody said about them was wildly. Well, we need to get to the bottom of this because it's probable that they're monsters. It's weird how that doesn't apply to the Biden kids. The only time we saw a profile or an interviews with Hunter Biden was when he was pimping his book and his art exhibit. That was it. And they, they said, hey, so uh, people say you're corrupt, are you? Well, I can't remember. So I don't know. I wouldn't think so. But, uh, you know, I can't say that that was my laptop or not. All right. Well, fair enough. Anyway, show me the paint by numbers you did and are charging 75 grand for. It. That's investigative journalism. The pre- Imagine if, if Ivanka Trump had a diary that got lost or she forgot in a halfway house and she said, hey, uh, daddy took some inappropriate showers with me well past the age when it was cool and it was, it was really kind of gross and other things. What do you think the uh, response from the media would be? Well, you know. It's unverified. What do you mean it's unverified? It's unverified. We couldn't possibly report on this. You couldn't possibly report on this, huh? No, no, no. We would never report on this. It's unverified. Oh, okay. Yet, what do you get nonstop with anything Trump-related? Probably. Probably some sort of corruption going on here. Undoubtedly something uh, underhanded happening here. You go, well, that almost seems like a double standard. But I give you my word as a Biden. Shouldn't we look at Joe's word as a Biden before we start taking it, before journalists start taking it? If journalists really want to uh, take Joe's word as a Biden, then some sort of vouching for that word should be done beforehand. It should be fact-checked, Joe's word as a Biden. So let's see, Joe Biden is a devout Catholic. Okay, well, we'll take him at his word there. Doesn't seem very likely considering he um, doesn't adhere to Catholicism's tenets. Just by his own admission, he's changed over time. As the Democratic Party has gotten more leftward, so has Joe. His word as a Biden, sort of uh, maybe his word as a Biden holds, but his word as a Catholic doesn't really hold. He is pro-life, but he tries to straddle the line because he believes that uh, the government has no business being involved in telling a woman what to do. 
Okay. I, I mean, you know, that was his position for a very long time. Except now he he believes that the government has a position to tell women what to do with their bodies. And it's have an abortion and we'll pick up the check. We meaning the taxpayers. It's kind of different. Now, has Joe ever been asked to explain this? No, because they pretend that it never changed. He gives you his word as a Biden. He's never changed. He still feels the same way, except that everything that he stands for is now different. It's weird, isn't it? But they're treating treating this nobody Fs with a Biden. What does that even mean? Nobody Fs with a Biden. Everybody seems to F with a Biden. The Democrats F'd with a Biden. He was sitting there in 2008 and 1988. He was running for president of the United States. He was F'd with constantly and didn't even get a... a, I didn't even make it to the first primary vote in 88. And he was embarrassed in 2008. The only reason he was chosen as vice president is... Barack Obama had zero foreign policy experience and Joe was supposed to be some kind of expert on the issue. Then Barack Obama famously said, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to screw things up, except he he said F things up. Now that seems to me like somebody's, I don't know, effing with a Biden, doesn't it? Nobody Fs with a Biden. But the media goes, oh, swoon. He's talking. Listen to how tough he talks. He's so tough the way he talks. There was, I mean, you can see why Democrats now focus on the words rather than actions, because Joe Biden doesn't ever and has never engaged in tough actions. The toughest action he's ever engaged in in his entire life is a work of fiction about confronting Corn Pop with a bicycle chain in the parking lot of a swimming pool in like 1962, just seen right out of like one of the Porky's movies. Oh, yeah, I took on Corn Pop. He was a bad dude. Oh, okay. Sure he was. Anybody else ever uh, anything else tough? No, no, no. Well, because I've seen you be super tough, Joe, where you challenged an elderly, overweight man to a push-up contest. And everybody knows that there is no stronger indicator of toughness than the ability to take on an elderly man in a push-up contest, Joe. Congratulations to you. He's an embarrassment. I tell you one thing that came out of the uh, Florida trip yesterday for for Joe and Jill is you got Ron DeSantis standing behind the podium with the presidential seal on it. I'm not sure Democrats really thought through the optics of that. It was it was pretty good. It was like looking at that and going, "Hey, you know what? I could get used to that." I could get used to that because if you compare now they were nice to each other and what's amazing to me is the media is reporting this like, oh my goodness, can you believe they were able to get along? Like, what did you expect them to do? Get into a knife fight like they're a shark and a jet? The second they saw one another, they're like two male beta in a small bowl. Only one of us can survive. We're Highlanders now. There can be only one. I don't think, I don't think that's the way it, uh, it works in general, to be honest with you. But um, if you look at what Ron, what uh, Ron DeSantis has accomplished in just a week, Ian hit one week ago. One week ago, there was almost three million people in Florida without power. More than two million people, in any event. Ninety-eight percent of them have their power back. 
water is running again, where my uh, my in-laws live. They didn't have any water. The water wasn't running. They didn't have any electricity. It's back. They now have their cable back, too. Everything is back. Pine Island had a bridge that was destroyed. I think it was Pine Island. Bridge destroyed. People were isolated. Within three days, three days, they got a bridge up. Three days. Tampa Bay, Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. In just three days, Governor DeSantis says Florida built a temporary bridge to Pine Island after its lone bridge to the mainland was destroyed by Hurricane Ian. This move allows emergency vehicles and Publix trucks to get on the island. For those of you who don't live in Florida or unfamiliar with Florida, Publix is their grocery store. That's a huge accomplishment. The Sanibel Bridge, Sanibel Island took the brunt of the the hit. Massive devastation, only accessible by bridges. Their bridges, well, now they're getting food by uh, helicopter and by by boat. But their bridge is going to be repaired by the end of the month. It's amazing. It is amazing. Fuel is being delivered. The roads are open. The grocery stores are open. People are being taken care of by their government as their houses are being rebuilt, as the power is being restored. The people were lucky enough to not have structural damage to their houses in one week. In one week? That's astonishing. That's why the liberal media is so mad. They go, well, we needed something to go wrong. We can't attack Ron DeSantis on this. That's why the story's going away. That's why they think of, they still talk about Katrina. That was, by the way, a local screw up by Democrats down there, but they blamed it on George W. Bush because FEMA handles everything logistically up to the last mile. The last mile is done by local officials. They didn't do anything. They were incompetent. They were corrupt. They were in over their heads. And so the media just said, well, the president is responsible for every single thing down there. In the first week up until now, since there's really nothing to complain about, they tried to say, well, Ron DeSantis is responsible for everything that happens. Every disaster in Florida is Ron DeSantis' fault. It's weird how just like 20 years, things went from the president is responsible for everything bad in a hurricane to the president is responsible to nothing bad in a hurricane. The governor in Louisiana was responsible for nothing that happened. Kathleen Blanco, I think her name was. Nothing, nothing. She was responsible for not a damn thing. It was all George Bush's fault. And now Ron DeSantis is responsible for everything in the state of Florida, everything. And uh, Joe Biden is re- wasn't even in town that month. And then they looked at it and they said, crap, we just we should have taken the credit for Joe Biden. They went the wrong way. They took the head fake and they fell for it. Said, All right, well, be ready. Make sure because everything's going to go to hell. It's going to be a complete disaster down in Florida. So we've got to preemptively absolve Joe Biden. Well, it's just by 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 saying everything is on Ron DeSantis. Everything is on Ron DeSantis. And then suddenly Ron DeSantis and the Florida state government handled it better than you could possibly imagine. And like, oh, crap. They ended up giving credit to Ron DeSantis because they thought it was going to be blame. And there's Joe Biden standing there like like Linus had his blanket taken away going, oh, man, Charlie Brown had the football pulled away. He's just disappointed going, what's going on? I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to be basking in this glory. And so as he's walking around yesterday, Joe Biden had to lie. He said, well, you have. The one thing to come out of this is uh, Ron DeSantis is acknowledging that climate change is responsible for this. No, 
Ron DeSantis didn't acknowledge that climate change is responsible for this. There was a statistic going around by the left going, oh, and it was circulated, of course, by the media that, oh, my God, so many of the, in fact, all of the uh, massively powerful hurricanes, Category 4s and 5s, that have hit Florida in uh, recorded history, meaning about the last 100 years, have all happened within the last 15 years, last 20, or I'm sorry, last 25 years. That's it. That tells you that the storms are becoming more frequent and they're becoming stronger. And you go, wait a second. See, that's that's not remotely true because there's the data. NOAA, eh, nor uh, the National Oceanic Administration. Well, I can't remember what the other A stands for, but you get it. Labor Day, the hurricane from 1935 is a Category 5 hurricane, 1935. Then there was a Category 5 hurricane that hit in 2018, okay? And then the other Category 5 hurricane, Hurricane Andrew, hit in 1992. Then we go, and these are order of strength. I won't give you the names of them. They don't matter. I'll give you Ian when we get to it. But 1919. These are all Category 4 hurricanes. 1928, 1926, 1960, 2017, 1948, 2022, which is Hurricane Ian. You're getting down the list, tied for eight. Then 2004, 1945, 1947, 1945, 1949, and 1950. Those are the years in which the most powerful hurricanes hit the state of Florida. Do you see a pattern there? The vast majority of them were before the SUV was created, before rappers and Hollywood starlets used private jets They look like clowns standing next to the effective administration down in Florida. And it was a beautiful thing. But don't worry. Nobody Fs with a Biden. You don't have to. You don't have to F with a Biden. You just show what a Biden's doing. That's F'd enough. I want to shift a little bit to local here because this cracks me up. And it really just shows you how... uh, how awful media is, how just absolutely genuinely terrible media is locally, even on television. The Baltimore Sun is a headline. West Moore settles $21,000 in unpaid Baltimore City water bills, Wednesday, spokesman says. Can you imagine racking up $21,000 in water? What are you doing? Are you constantly just running the shower and watering your grass? Are you making a pond in your backyard? What the hell are you doing? So Democratic candidate for Maryland Governor Wes Moore's campaign said Moore has paid about $21,000 in outstanding Baltimore City water and sewage bills Wednesday after a local news outlet published his delinquent water account. Now, you got to love it. When confronted with irrefutable evidence of their wrongdoing, Democrats will, in fact, do the right thing. Golf clap. Congratulations. You're wonderful. When all other options have been exercised and exhausted, a Democrat can be counted on to eventually get around to sort of doing the right thing, as long as the public is paying attention. The Baltimore Brew first published the news of Moore's unpaid $21,200 water bill for his Guilford home early Wednesday evening. Quote, 
the Moors have paid the current balance of out of an abundance of caution while they review the accuracy of the charges. End quote, said campaign spokesman Brian Adams Jones, Adam Jones on Wednesday night. Now, they, I love how they act like, holy Frank Tanana, I don't know where this came from. You get a month, you get a water bill monthly or quarterly or whatever. Eventually, you get a water bill, don't you? Wouldn't you notice that you didn't pay it eventually? Because this is supposedly, I think it was like a year and a half. <laughs> Moore and his wife, Dawn Fife Moore, purchased their two and a half story home in Guilford in 2017 for $2.35 million, according to Land Records. Man, it pays to care deeply about the poor, doesn't it? On Wednesday, an online Baltimore water bill database indicated that Moores had last paid a $2,000 water bill for their home in March 2021. As of late Wednesday night, Moore owed the city $21,200, according to online city records. The most recent water bill was due September 26th. That's the entirety of the Baltimore Sun story, by the way. That's it. You imagine the scandal involved. Delinquent. He's not paying his bills. Republican. Dan Cox is not paying his bills. That would be nonstop. They'd be, they'd have the, uh, the Baltimore Sun would buy a helicopter to just hover over Dan Cox's house to give a live stream of an overhead shot of his house forever. <laughs> can you believe this? Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Now, I get it. You can, uh, you can go, oh, wait, uh, I forgot to pay the water bill this month. You can do that. It happens. It happens all the time. But since March of last year, that's a year and a half if you're playing the home game. You didn't notice? What I find amazing is I'm fairly certain, I don't know and I don't ever really plan on testing this theory, but I'm fairly certain that if I didn't pay my water bill for, I'd say, nine months, forget a year and a half, nine months, maybe even six months, I don't even want to test it that it could be three months. If I didn't pay my water bill, my water would get shut off. There would be at least a notification sent my way. There would be something now that, of course, Baltimore has all sorts of programs for the poor to make sure that poor people don't have their water cut off. So it's really difficult to shut people's waters off. But you're talking about row houses that are uh, not $2.35 million mansions in one of the nicest areas in the state, let alone the city. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Now, if, again, Republican Dan Cox had done this, I guarantee you, and I don't know what kind of house Dan Cox has, but if he had a $2.35 million home on uh, in the city and there were programs for the poor to make sure that they did not go without water that were likely at play in, you know... What's the word I'm looking for? Making sure people don't die. They were likely at play in here and, and taken advantage of, exploited. If you if you know that your water is never going to be shut off, you can you can become pretty uh, laissez-faire about the prospect of paying your water bill to catch them adrift. If you knew that, it would almost seem as though, I guarantee you, Dan Cox would be accused of taking advantage of a program designed for the poor. He would be taking advantage of a program created expressly for the poor. 
but he's not. He wasn't a Republican. The, in fact, Westmore isn't being accused of anything except for maybe just not paying attention, maybe missing it, maybe just missing it. Actually, I want to play you just, it's not just print that is indifferent. It's hard to find any serious details about this story or any speculation related to this story beyond, hey, here's what's going on. Anyway, what are you going to do? I think it's, uh, I can't remember, it's BFF, WBFF, the Fox station in Baltimore. This is, I think it's 21 seconds long, maybe 23 seconds long. And it, again, is the entirety of their reporting. I guess it's CB, I think it's CBS, if I remember. It's the entirety of their reporting on what would be a scandal if a Republican did it. Today, there's been the talk of social media. It alleged the Democratic candidate... Also new to love, and a report came out today. There's been the talk of social media. It alleged the Democratic candidate, Westmore and his wife, Dawn, hadn't paid a $21,000 water bill at their home. Larry Jay-Z can be the first to report the bill has been paid. According to Moore's campaign spokesperson, quote, the Moores have paid the current balance out of an abundance of caution while they review the accuracy of the charges. That's it. That was the story. That was it. None of the, wait a second, if you didn't pay your water bill for a year and a half, why wasn't your water shut off? How do you not get a notice? Again, I've never, I, I'm now in a place where we own a home and we have the water bill. And I don't want to get to the point where you get that notification, but I imagine there's a notification at some point that goes, hey, wait a second, you haven't paid your water bill in six months, a year, a year and a half, whatever it is. You'd think that would come up at some point, right? They'd send something in the mail. Maybe they'd send somebody out to the house. How do you ignore that? Also, there's the fact that you as an adult who pays the bills, theoretically anyway, for your domicile, haven't paid a water bill. Do you, what do you think? It's just, well, it's magic. The, the city going broke, incompetently run. They uh, they just let you slide on the water bill. It's wonderful. It's, it's really one of the nice perks of the progressive government in Baltimore. Sure, though, you'll get killed walking down the street, possibly, but you won't have to pay to wash out the wound if it's just a flesh wound because you'll get the water for free. It'll be wonderful. We have luscious green lawns in this neighborhood because the water is abundant and free. I don't understand how this happens Unless you're so disconnected, you know that you're not going to get it shut up. There are no consequences for it. And they just go, meh, whatever. Also, a year and a half, let's just look at that thing, because I want to do some math on this. I can't do the math in my head. I'm not that bright. But $21,200 divided by 15. That's $1,400 plus a month in water the hell are they doing with their water what's going on and if the last time they paid it last year last year in march 2021 it was two thousand bucks how much water are they burning through here do they have a swimming pool that every third day they change the water because it just gets a little look we don't want to put chlorine in our pools we find it much easier just to replace all the water every three days. And then, you know, we don't get that harsh chemical smell when you get to it. Well, you could also make it a saltwater pool, then you don't have to worry about it. But no, never mind. Don't worry about such things. Don't worry, the crack media will be on. No, wait, the media is smoking crack. I'm sorry, they're not a crack media. They don't care. 
But Dan Cox, man, if, if the Republican did this, if any, imagine if any Republican candidate anywhere did this, the story that it would be. It'd be more than 23 seconds going, well, we can now report he paid it. So you can stop thinking about how this person more than likely exploited a program for the poor in their $2.35 million mansion. Because I don't know if you're not familiar with Baltimore, $2.35 million in Baltimore, that'll buy you a lot of house. That'll buy, there are some nice neighborhoods in Baltimore. That'll buy you a lot of house. A lot of, yeah, you know, if it was outside the uh, Baltimore, the uh, D.C. suburbs, right outside D.C., that probably wouldn't buy you all that much house. It'd buy you a nice house, don't get me wrong, but it'll buy you a hell of a lot more house in uh, in Baltimore. So, yeah, Wes, if I'd have known that there was that much money in helping the poor, man, I'd have chosen a different career path. I'm sitting here looking at uh, the Twitter machine, and I see this from The Atlantic. I didn't click on it. I don't plan on clicking on it. I clicked and retweeted it. But it's indicative of how the left works. So, quote, the South is no longer simply a region, colon. A certain version of it has become an identity shared among white, rural, conservative Americans from coast to coast. A guy named David A. Graham writes. Of course, he writes uh, for the Atlantic. Of course, he does. That's how it works. Let's see. What does David A. Graham look like here? Sure looks like a white guy to me. Wow. Somebody beat him up with the freckle machine. And the Art Garfunkel hair machine, which is even more unfortunate. Uh, but the idea, oh, my God, it's, uh, the South is now not just a region. It's a mindset, and it's everywhere across the country. What they're trying to do here is sort of the opposite of what they did, but along the same lines, if that makes sense. I'll try and make it make sense. If you remember after any time Republicans lost, what did the media say about it? Particularly, you look in uh, 2006 and 2008. I've done the research. I wish I still had it. I did it for Grover Norquist. I've asked him for it. He can't find it. I, we printed it up, and that's probably it probably exists on a piece of paper somewhere buried in the ATR offices. But other than that, digitally, it's long since gone. But I went through and I looked up all of the times that Republicans lost elections. And what happened was the left-wing media declared the Republican Party to be dead. One form or another, it's dead. If it doesn't change, it is dead. It's over. It's done for. People just are rejecting it. Democrats have swept into power. It is different. You could find this in 1992. You could, you, you name the, the race that Democrats won, and it was, well, that's it for the Republican Party. The problem is it's a lie. It's a lie. You never see a corresponding, by the way, you never see a corresponding, well, Democrats are really going to have to shape up or ship out, change the way that they are uh, doing things because it's just not popular. It's just not working out. They don't, you don't see those things when Democrats lose. Democrats had their rear ends handed them in 1994. There was no, well, this is the end of the Democratic Party. They're going to have to change things. There was, again, Democrats lost in 2000. They lost in 2002. They were supposed to gain seats in the House because that's what happens. And for the first time in forever, they actually gained seats in the House 
uh, they're supposed to, uh, the Republicans gain seats in the House in a for president's first midterm. Almost unheard of. And there was no, well, Democrats have to do some soul searching. Nope. None. Nothing. When Democrats lost the House in 2010, there was no, how are we going to do? What are we going to do with this? When Democrats lost the Senate a couple years later, there was no, oh, geez, what are we going to do? When Hillary lost, there's no, oh, shucks, what's going on here? Nothing. But every time Republicans don't do well, it's, well, it's over. It's over. It's over. And the last time Republicans lost in 2008, they were talking of the left was talking about, well, this is it for Republicans. They're going to have to figure this one out and uh, decide whether or not they want to be a regional party, meaning region, just the South. And that's it, because nobody else is electing Republicans and expect it to get worse. Well, that didn't work out. It didn't work out at all. So now that they're staring down the barrel of a coast-to-coast potential loss in the House, the Senate, governors, mansions, whatever, they can really, they'll try. What Nothing cracks me up more than watching some leftists on television, usually on MSNBC, talk about how, oh, uh, the Republicans only have so many Senate seats because they've gerrymandered their weight. And like, Jerry, you gerrymandered a Senate seat, right? A statewide election was gerrymandered. Right. You're, you're, you're too dumb for words. There are sadly far too many people in politics who are too dumb for words who will say things like they've gerrymandered their way to Senate seats. But they're looking at a reason to explain why it is, should things go the way it looks like they're going to go, why it is that happened. It can't be because of the failure of their policies. It can't be because of the unpopularity of their candidates. It can't be because the American people saw through the lies and everything. It can't be any of those things that a normal person would look at. It cannot be anything related to the reflection in the mirror. It has to be something else. And here it is, is that the the Southern mentality has now gone coast to coast. Well, how do you figure that? There's a big picture of the Confederate flag. Oh, the Confederate flag. The Democrats love to wrap themselves in the Confederate flag. They view you, anybody who can't conform as being just this side of a Klansman. Actually, probably the other side of a Klansman. They view you as being the problem, as being evil. Look at them back the same way. I encourage you to look back at them the exact same way because they truly are i want to play for you along the same lines of why gee why it is it we can't appeal to people out there why is it we can't appeal to americans out there see most democrats don't know republicans they certainly don't like the activist class the people who get on television now i say democrats i'm talking about the activist class the television class the journalism class the hollywood class they do not have anybody who dissents in their orbit. Do you think Mika Brzezinski's personal assistant, when she disagrees with Mika, do you think she tells Mika, Mika, I think you're wrong on this point. Do you think she'd be thrown out of a helicopter at that point if, if she dared disagree with Mika? There's no way that the, the MSNBC CNN set allows for disagreement. So people in there know better than to do anything other than shut up and learn their place. Normal Democrats, the people, the rank and file, the voting Democrats, I sadly believe that most of them are simply too busy to know what's going on in the world or to recognize that uh, 
the Democratic Party they belonged to doesn't exist anymore. That everything has changed around them, and maybe they just didn't notice it. But the Democratic Party that fought for workers and cared about the little, that's not them. They care now about men who say they're women being able to shower in gym class with girls, being able to compete against women in sports and dominate, to do whatever, to use the bathroom next to your door. That's their priority. It's not just hyperbole. It's their priority. It's not, you know, one of the things that they talk. No, they talk about that a lot. They also want to make sure that your kids and grandkids in school learn that because of the color of their skin, they're either evil or a victim. And there's nothing that can be done about it. They are the beneficiary of, of their skin color or the prisoner of their skin color. Your own life and what you do with it, bah, forget it. You're a racist. You're problematic. Take a cheese grater to your forearm because that is the root of all evil. All you do is benefit. You, uh, you guy from the meth-addicted family in Appalachia, you, because uh, you're white, you got it so much better than, say, the kid of Westmore or the kid of uh, any, name anybody out there, Lester Holt's kid. Because Lester Holt's kid is black, don't you see? That's how it, he, Barack Obama's daughters are horrible, horrible victims of oppression, even though, you know, their family's worth about $150 million. They have everything thrown at them. They get jobs that your kid would never stand a chance of getting. Doesn't matter what color you are. Your kid would never get... She's had jobs, and one of them works in Hollywood. You wouldn't get that job. You know why? Because Barry called up the head of the studio and said, hey, why don't you give my daughter a, a she's interested. Oh, well, yeah, well, we'll create a position for her. What the hell? She could just come out here and hang out, whatever she wants to do. And, uh, yeah, no, they'll be part of our Netflix deal, too. You know, like like all those poor families out there can do because of their skin color. You dial the special 1-800-I'm-white phone number, and it connects you right with your whatever CEO that you need to talk to to make sure that your kid gets into the college of their choice, gets the job of their choice. And you can add, if you if you know the secret code, you get to uh, add an extra zero to every one of their paychecks. Now, people are seeing that and they're being repulsed by what the Democratic Party has become. But still, there are some people out there who think that the Democratic Party is the party of JFK. It's not even the party of Jimmy Carter. It's not even the party of Bill Clinton these days. It's a disaster. It's a horrible anti-American conglomeration of academics with tenure and union people, other union people who can't be fired from their jobs, insisting on some of the most extreme garbage you can possibly imagine that it holds in contempt the base of the, what once was the Democrat Party. Oh, those evil white people. Well, it used to be that they were the union guys, the black backbone of this country. Now they hate them because of their skin color and because of how they vote and how they think, the fact that they won't conform, which brings us back to James Carville, Skeletor himself. My God, he looks terrible. Just age. Time has not... Not that he was starting off, you know, looking good, but uh, time has been much, much worse for James Carville than for just about anybody else. He was on MSNBC yesterday talking about Republicans and why he thinks that Republicans are exist. It's amazing watching these people talk. I don't know what planet they live on, but it ain't this one. And he goes off on what is essentially a eugenics rap. 
They're undesirable people, low-quality people. He stopped short of saying we should breed them out of existence, but that's why Planned Parenthood exists. The progressive movement at the beginning of the 20th century, led by Margaret Sanger there at Planned Parenthood, placed Planned Parenthood's abortion clinics in black neighborhoods because black people were the least desirable. Those and poor white people were the least desirable human beings on the planet, and they wanted the extermination factory close to them. Not that they were going to kill the people who were alive. Hitler evolved progressivism and eugenics to that point. But they wanted to prevent the next generation. Yeah, the stupid people were alive. Fine, they can live. But we will breed their genes. We will let their genes go out of existence through extermination of the next generation. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. That's the attitude of James Carville, I think, in this clip. I think this just exposes the massive, staggering humanity of conservative evangelicals. I'm not going to call these people Christians because I don't think they embrace very much of Christianity. I mean, how big of a problem is it for the GOP that this is the the field of candidates they're running in this cycle? You know, I've said it before. They have a lot of stupid people that vote in their primaries. I really, they really do. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you're not supposed to say that, but it's, it's obvious fact. And you know, when stupid people vote, you know who they nominate? Other stupid people. And, and they have, a, the, the, the Republicans have a problem. They got very low quality people that vote in their primaries and they're producing predictably very low quality candidates. It, it, it's evident right in front of you. Yeah, there's high quality. James Carville sitting there saying low quality individuals. Well, with if low quality individuals, what do you do with a low quality individual? You need to you need to get rid of them. You need to make sure that they do not perpetuate. If you hold somebody in contempt to the point that you could sit there and say that their existence because they disagree because they disagree with you politically, they're therefore low quality of any way, shape, or form, then how long how big of a stretch is it to say, and you know, maybe we need to eliminate their children? prevent their children from being born. And then realistically, how big of a leap is it to go, maybe we need to get rid of them? Because that's that's where Germany went. That's where Germany took it to. We need to eliminate them. It wasn't just Jews. It was gypsies. It was gays. It was communists because the communists and the progressives and the, the socialists, they were all fighting. They were all fighting for control of the left, by the way, not because one was right and one was left. It's a biggest lie. They wanted to be the power on the left, period, end of story. But they were willing to otherize people. Look, they're low quality. They're, there's something defective about them. We really we should have been aborted, but we should eliminate them, prevent them from reproducing or uh, just exterminate them completely. That's the Nazi mindset. James Carville right there on MSNBC. And you heard whoever the host is, a fill-in host. I don't know who it was. One of their backbenchers who does the streaming service. You heard him laugh. <laughs> well, what do, what do we do about these people? Because you're, you're obviously right. They are low-quality individuals. They should not be swimming in the gene pool any longer. How do we exterminate them, James? Now, that's what they're saying in public. They're willing to go that far in public. They're willing to go that far on television, knowing full well that while there isn't a large audience watching live, that that clip will be then replicated and sent out around the world on the Internet. If they're willing to say that when they know people are watching, some people are watching, and it has that potential to go even further, what do you think they're saying in private? What do you think they're saying when they're fairly confident that nobody is listening? 
that nobody can hear them. That's where the plans are hatched. That's why they desperately need to be thrown out on their asses in power. This is what I mean when I say they can't just be defeated. They're defeated, they pick up, they dust themselves off, and they come back. They need to be destroyed. They need to be humiliated. They need to be destroyed and defeated at the polling places to the point where the rest of the party goes, all right, we got to pull back from this nosedive. we got to pull back from the pit of hell. Maybe shove these people in it on the way. They have to purge themselves, or else uh, we got to do it for them. Keep them out of power forever. I'm sitting here looking at uh, the Twitter machine, and I see this from The Atlantic. I, I didn't click on it. I don't plan on clicking on it. I clicked and retweeted it. But I, I, it's indicative of how the left works. So, quote, the South is no longer simply a region, colon. A certain version of it has become an identity shared among white, rural, conservative Americans from coast to coast. A guy named David A. Graham writes. <laughs> of course, he writes uh, for The Atlantic. Of course he does. That's how it works. Let's see. What does David A. Graham look like here? Sure looks like a white guy to me. Wow. Somebody beat him up with the freckle machine. And the Art Garfunkel hair machine, which is even more unfortunate. Uh, but the idea, oh, my God, it's, uh, the South is now not just a region. It's a mindset, and it's everywhere across the country. What they're trying to do here is sort of the opposite of what they did, but along the same lines, if that makes sense. I'll try and make it make sense. If you remember after any time Republicans lost, what did the media say about it? Particularly look in, uh, in 2006 and 2008. It's. I've done the research. I wish I still had it. I did it for Grover Norquist. I've asked him for it. He can't find it. I we printed it up, and that's probably it. Probably exists on a piece of paper somewhere buried in the ATR offices. But other than that, digitally, it's long since gone. But I went through and I looked up all of the times that Republicans lost elections, and what happened was the left wing media declared the Republican Party to be dead. One form or another, it's dead. If it doesn't change, it is dead. It's over. It's done for. People just are rejecting it. Democrats have swept into power. It is different. You could find this in 1992. You could, you, you name the, the race that Democrats won, and it was, well, that's it for the Republican Party. The problem is it's a lie. You never see a corresponding, by the way, you never see a corresponding, well, Democrats are really going to have to shape up or ship out, change the way that they are uh, doing things because it's just not popular. It's just not working out. But they don't, you don't see those things when Democrats lose. Democrats had their rear ends handed them in 1994. There was no, well, this is the end of the Democratic Party. They're going to have to change things. There was, again, Democrats lost in 2000. They lost in 2002. They were supposed to gain seats in the House because that's what happens and for the first time in forever, they actually gained seats in the House. Uh, they're supposed to, uh, the Republicans gained seats in the House in a for president's first midterm. Almost unheard of. And there was no, well, Democrats have to do some soul searching. Nope. None. Nothing. When Democrats lost the House in 2010, there was no, how are we going to do? What are we going to do with this? When Democrats lost the Senate couple years later there was no oh geez what are we going to do when hillary lost there's no oh shucks what's going on here 
Nothing. But every time Republicans don't do well, it's, well, it's over. It's over. It's over. And the last time Republicans lost in 2008, they were talking of the left was talking about, well, this is it for Republicans. They're going to have to figure this one out and uh, decide whether or not they want to be a regional party, meaning region, just the South. And that's it, because nobody else is electing Republicans and expect it to get worse. Well, that didn't work out. It didn't work out at all. So now that they're staring down the barrel of a coast-to-coast potential loss in the House, the Senate, governor's mansions, whatever, they can really, they'll try. What Nothing cracks me up more than watching some leftists on television, usually on MSNBC, talk about how, oh, uh, the Republicans only have so many Senate seats because they've gerrymandered their way. And like, Jerry, you gerrymandered a Senate seat, right? A statewide election was gerrymandered. Right. You're, you're, you're too dumb for words. There are sadly far too many people in politics who are too dumb for words who will say things like they've gerrymandered their way to Senate seats. But they're looking at a reason to explain why it is, should things go the way it looks like they're going to go, why it is that happened. It can't be because of the failure of their policies. It can't be because of the unpopularity of their candidates. It can't be because the American people saw through the lies and everything. It can't be any of those things that a normal person would look at. It cannot be anything related to the reflection in the mirror. It has to be something else. And here it is, is that the the Southern mentality has now gone coast to coast. Well, how do you figure that? There's a big picture of the Confederate flag. Oh, the Confederate flag. The Democrats love to wrap themselves in the Confederate flag. They view you, anybody who can't conform, as being just this side of a Klansman. Actually, probably the other side of a Klansman. They view you as being the problem, as being evil. Look at them back the same way. I encourage you to look back at them the exact same way because they truly are i want to play for you along the same lines of why gee why it is it we can't appeal to people out there why is it we can't appeal to americans out there see most democrats don't know republicans they certainly don't like the activist class the people who get on television now i say democrats i'm talking about the activist class the television class the journalism class the hollywood class they do not have anybody who dissents in their orbit you think mika brzezinski's personal assistant when she disagrees with mika do you think she tells mika mika i think you're wrong on this point do you think she'd be thrown out of a helicopter at that point if, if she dared disagree with mika there's no way that the the msnbc cnn set allows for disagreement so people in there know better than to do anything other than shut up and learn their place Normal Democrats, the people, the rank and file, the voting Democrats, I sadly believe that most of them are simply too busy to know what's going on in the world or to recognize that uh, the Democratic Party they belonged to doesn't exist anymore, that everything has changed around them and maybe they just didn't notice it. But the Democratic Party that fought for workers and cared about the little, that's not them. They care now about men who say they're women being able to shower in gym class with girls, being able to compete against women in sports and dominate. 
to do whatever, to use the bathroom next to your door. That's their priority. It's not just hyperbole. It's their priority. It's not, you know, one of the things that they talk. No, they talk about that a lot. They also want to make sure that your kids and grandkids in school learn that because of the color of their skin, they're either evil or a victim. And there's nothing that can be done about it. They are the beneficiary of, of their skin color or the prisoner of their skin color. Your own life and what you do with it, bah, forget it. You're a racist. You're problematic. Take a cheese grater to your forearm because that is the root of all evil. All you do is benefit. You, uh, you guy from the meth-addicted family in Appalachia, you, uh, because you're white, you got it so much better than, say, the kid of Westmore or the kid of uh, any, name anybody out there, Lester Holt's kid. Because Lester Holt's kid is black, don't you see? That's how it, he, Barack Obama's daughters are horrible, horrible victims of oppression, even though, you know, their family's worth about $150 million. They have everything thrown at them. They get jobs that your kid would never stand a chance of getting. Doesn't matter what color you are. Your kid would never get, she's had jobs and uh, one of them works in Hollywood. She, you wouldn't get that job. You know why? Because Barry called up the head of the studio and said, hey, why don't you give my daughter a, a she's interested. Oh, well, yeah, well, we'll create a position for her. What the hell? She could just come out here and hang out, whatever she wants to do. And uh, yeah, no, they'll be part of our Netflix deal too. You know, like, like all those poor families out there can do because of their skin color. You dial the special 1-800-I'm-white phone number and it connects you right with your whatever CEO that you need to talk to to make sure that your kid gets into the college of their choice, gets the job of their choice. And you can add, if you if you know the secret code, you get to uh, add an extra zero to every one of their paychecks. Now, people are seeing that and they're being repulsed by what the Democratic Party has become. But still, there are some people out there who think that the Democratic Party is the party of JFK. It's not even the party of Jimmy Carter. It's not even the party of Bill Clinton these days. It's a disaster. It's a horrible anti-American conglomeration of academics with tenure and union people, other union people who can't be fired from their jobs, insisting on some of the most extreme garbage you can possibly imagine that it holds in contempt the base of the, what once was the Democrat Party. All oh, those evil white people. Well, it used to be that they were the union guys, the black backbone of this country. Now they hate them because of their skin color and because of how they vote and how they think, the fact that they won't conform, which brings us back to James Carville, Skeletor himself. My God, he looks terrible. Just age. Time has not... Not that he was starting off you know, looking good, but uh, time has been much, much worse for James Carville than for just about anybody else. He was on MSNBC yesterday talking about Republicans and why he thinks that Republicans are exist. It's amazing watching these people talk. I don't know what planet they live on, but it ain't this one. And he goes off on what is essentially a eugenics rap. They're undesirable people, low-quality people. He stops short of saying we should breed them out of existence, but that's why Planned Parenthood exists the progressive movement at the beginning of the 20th century, led by Margaret Sanger there at Planned Parenthood, placed Planned Parenthood's abortion clinics in black neighborhoods because black people were the least desired. Those and poor white people 
were the least desirable human beings on the planet, and they wanted the extermination factory close to them. Not that they were going to kill the people who were alive. Hitler evolved progressivism and eugenics to that point, but they wanted to prevent the next generation. Yeah, the stupid people were alive. Fine, they can live, but we will breed their genes. We will let their genes go out of existence through extermination of the next generation. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. That's the attitude of James Carville, I think, in this clip. I think this just exposes the massive, staggering humanity of conservative evangelicals. I'm not going to call these people Christians because I don't think they embrace very much of Christianity. I mean, how big of a problem is it for the GOP that this is the, this is the field of candidates they're running in this cycle? You know, I've said it before. They have a lot of stupid people that vote in their primaries. I really, they really do. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you're not supposed to say that, but it's, it's obvious fact. And you know, when stupid people vote, you know who they nominate? Other stupid people. And they have a, the, the Republicans have a problem. They got very low quality people that vote in their primaries and they're producing predictably very low quality candidates. It, it, it's evident right in front of you. Yeah, there's high quality. James Carville sitting there saying low quality individuals. Well, with, with low quality individuals, what do you do with a low quality individual? You need to you need to get rid of them. You need to make sure that they do not perpetuate. If you hold somebody in contempt to the point that you could sit there and say that their existence, because they disagree, because they disagree with you politically, they're therefore low quality of any way, shape, or form, then how long, how big of a stretch is it to say, and, you know, maybe we need to eliminate their children, prevent their children from being born? And then realistically, how big of a leap is it to go, maybe we need to get rid of them? Because that's, that's where Germany went. That's where Germany took it to. We need to eliminate them. It wasn't just Jews. It was gypsies. It was gays. It was communists because the communists and the progressives and the, the socialists, they were all fighting. They were all fighting for control of the left, by the way, not because one was right and one was left. It's a biggest lie. They wanted to be the power on the left, period, end of story. But they were willing to other eyes people look they're low quality they're, there's something defective about them we really we should have been aborted but we should eliminate them prevent them from reproducing or uh, just exterminate them completely that's the nazi mindset james carville right there on msnbc and you heard whoever the host is a fill-in host i don't know who it was one of their backbenchers who does the streaming service you heard him laugh <laughs> well what do what do we do about these people because you're you're obviously right they are low quality individuals they should not be swimming in the gene pool any longer how do we exterminate them james now that's what they're saying in public they're willing to go that far in public. They're willing to go that far on television, knowing full well that while there isn't a large audience watching live, that that clip will be then replicated and sent out around the world on the Internet. If they're willing to say that when they know people are watching, some people are watching, and it has that potential to go even further, what do you think they're saying in private? What do you think they're saying when they're fairly confident that nobody is listening, that nobody can hear them that's where the plans are hatched that's why they desperately need to be thrown out on their asses in power this is what i mean when i say they can't just be defeated they're defeated they pick up they dust themselves off and they come back they need to be destroyed they need to be humiliated they need to be destroyed and defeated at the polling places to the point where the rest of the party goes 
All right, we got to pull back from this nosedive. We got to pull back from the pit of hell. Maybe shove these people in it on the way. They have to purge themselves or else uh, we got to do it for them. Keep them out of power forever. So you've got the money going to the same company that was involved in funding the research around the world, particularly in Wuhan, that uh, brought about the pandemic. And they get another grant. So President Fauci was asked about this. This is a, a long thing. And uh, I kept it long for a reason. I could have cut it up into like three different clips and really dissected each one. But I wanted to make an overarching point. When a short answer will do and somebody gives you a long answer, they are selling you a bill of goods. They are blowing smoke up your rear end, however you want to look at it. Keep that in mind. If a yes or no answer will do, and I'm not talking about like up on Capitol Hill when you've got Rashida Tlaib sitting there going, I'm going to, do you believe that uh, your company, yes or no answer, are you a flaming racist? What the hell are you talking about? No, 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 yes or no, reclaiming my time, reclaiming, I don't mean it like that. This is a friendly interview with a Washington Post reporter. There's... There's no hostility, there's no leaping, and you can hear that, and you can be assured of that. By the way, that the follow-up question to this minute and a half's worth of psychobabble is, now let's get back to how those mean Republicans up on Capitol Hill are being mean to you. So you know that this so-called reporter is not at all interested in, in diving into the idea that why in the hell is Fauci using our money to give the people responsible for COVID a grant to do it again? You, you just know <laughs> that the reporter doesn't want to ask this question, but he has to ask this question. And so he accepts whatever the answer is. And nothing you hear here, which given the background and given what Fauci says here, should lead to a, an hour's worth of follow-up questions it doesn't lead to a single follow-up question with Fauci. <laughs> it does, just doesn't. It's amazing watching these. We speak truth to power. No, you don't. You suck up to the powerful. That's what you do. Anyway, listen to this, and then at the end, he changes the reporter changes the subject. And keep in mind, a short answer would do. If, if the simple answer were true, you wouldn't need so much exposition. As part of the probes into the lab leak, uh, EcoHealth Alliance, which conducted so-called gain-of-function research on coronaviruses in China, there are reports that it is, again, being funded by your agency. Now, politicians and some watchdogs have said EcoHealth and your agency haven't been fully transparent about the research into dangerous pathogens. Why are you confident, doctor, that EcoHealth is a good funding partner for your agency here? If we're keeping an open mind, is it too early to go back to funding EcoHealth? Well, EcoHealth puts in, has grants that have nothing to do with what we're talking about that are looking at surveillance in different countries. And when they put a grant in and there are administrative issues related to another grant, not the grants that are getting getting ready to be funded. And the administrative structure of the NIH, which is fundamentally an NIH central, gives a list of administrative things they need to address, and they adequately address it. There is really no mechanism to say, arbitrarily, we can't fund you, even though you've been peer-reviewed and highly recommended for funding.
something because someone doesn't like you. I mean, if they ever brought that in court, they could sue us and win that in a microsecond. So you've got to be careful. It's kind of like saying that there is a grant from an institution in the United States that's something really bad about that grant. And therefore, you shouldn't give any funding to any other element of that institution. You've got to be fair and you've got to go by process, not arbitrary deciding whether you want to fund something or not. You go by as an established NIH process. If something is peer-reviewed, gets a high recommendation for funding, you can't arbitrarily decide, I just don't want to fund it because people don't like them. One more question on, on the Republican probes. They have said... Yeah, no, I just left that a little bit there. One more question on the Republican probes. You, you heard nothing in what Fauci said there, uh, Washington Post reporter. You heard nothing that would lead you to go, well, you know, you, you, you can. You actually... Um, this is the intercept. Uh, in August, the NIH terminated a an award to the Wuhan Institute of Virology that had been part of an earlier grant to Echo Health Alliance because all the people involved refused to turn over paperwork and documents to an investigation into the origins of COVID. So the grant money that had been previously granted had been to this organization had been pulled. You can you can decide whatever you want. You can tell them no. You could turn them down. But you love Fauci's like, well, uh, we don't really have a choice. They just did this thing and they, they applied. They filled out the paperwork. They checked the Scantron sheet. And that's it. That's it. I uh, once, one time, did grant review for the Department of Education. Now, what is grant review? These government agencies have tons of money and they give out tons of money to various organizations for grants. They, you have to fill out the paperwork and say why you want this grant money and what you do. Like I'm applying for a half million dollar grant to study X, Y, or Z or whatever. And that's it. That's what it is. And they put in these elaborate proposals. You can make a lot of money if you're really good at writing grant proposals because if they're getting approved, you, uh, you're getting hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, depends on what you're writing for. You can get a piece of that action. You can get a lot of money from that. Um, but I was hired as like 50 bucks or no, it was like $250 a day. I was working at Heritage and they allowed us to do this. And I did like three days worth of work. It was like $750 is awesome. And I read these grant reviews and I had to write up a summary of whether or not they checked all these boxes. And then it went to committee if they did or they didn't. It didn't matter. I wrote the summary and then off the summary, they decided whether or not they should get the grant. Then it was based on a vote of the the people who had the vote it's not well they checked off all these boxes therefore they get the money that's not how grants work and by the way fauci they could sue us what do you care if they sue you tony let's be honest what do you it's not your money it's the federal government's money they've got lawyers on staff so it's not like oh geez we gotta pay them now we gotta hire you don't have to hire lawyers you got hires lawyers on staff it doesn't cost you anything the government is constantly suing everybody over everything i imagine your administrate your your branch of of the nih is suing people constantly too non-compliance for acts for whatever it is you're suing people constantly the idea that oh no somebody might sue us who cares? These people need to be punished. Let them sue you. And then you know what happens in a civil case? Because that's what it would be, a civil case. 
discovery would happen. And then you would be able to force them to turn over all these documents that the Congress wanted, right? In discovery, they have to comply with discovery. You can go down any path you want. You could maybe get the answers that they are reluctant to give, but there's a catch. Tony and the gang over at the NIH are not only understanding of the answers that uh, that Echo Health Alliance is uh, reluctant to give, the NIH is reluctant to have those questions asked as well because they might get answered. So while normally a government agency would go, well, you're not, you screwed up. Last, why would we give you another grant? I'm not going to give you another grant. You screwed up with the last one we gave you. Sorry, you're out. You can sue us if you want because we want a bunch of information from you. You won't give us and we'll get it through a lawsuit. But Tony doesn't want that information. For whatever reason, you can figure out, you can guess, you can speculate as to why that might be. But Tony doesn't want that information. And so they just give out more of our money. And he says, my hands are tied. They filled out the paperwork. They're highly recommended. They're peer-reviewed. Who cares? You're the boss. You're the ultimate decider, Tony. You decided this. And you have a long and storied and curious and interesting relationship with Peter Daszak. Like at the beginning of this pandemic, when you guys were emailing each other back and forth, going, oh, we need to make sure that they don't dig too deep into this thing and deny, 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 and this had nothing to do with gain of function, blah, blah, blah. And everybody involved in government changed their tune from this has all the hallmarks of gain of function to we just don't know. Because why? Because you guys are maybe complicit over this. We also would want to know, I would like to know whether or not Fauci has any ties with Echo Health Alliance. And what are the odds that Tony, in, you know, he made millions of dollars, he made $5 million. His net worth went up $5 million in the last two and a half years. Did yours? It went up somewhere. Does he own a piece of Echo Health Alliance? Is he getting royalties from Echo Health Alliance? Is he getting uh, a consulting gig when he leaves the administration from them? What is going on? What is the tie here? Well, we don't have anything to base that off of, really. But given how he lies about how his hands are tied and he has to give them this grant, I wouldn't put anything past him. It's very interesting. No government grant is guaranteed simply because you applied for it. That's not how government grants work. You have to check all the boxes, but then the government has to want to give you the money too. Because you can apply for, there are hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of grants given out by the government every year. The National Institutes of Health, the National Institutes of Science, everything you can imagine. You can find them, that guy with uh, Matthew Lesko, I think his name was, the guy running around with the question marks all over his suit, like the Riddler, remember that late night infomercial? Government money, they're giving it away. This book will tell you how to get it. That's real. There are great, most of it was like public domain information. He just sort of gathered it all in one place. But you can get that information. You can find it online. And you know what? You can apply for government grants. You can apply for science grants if you're tangentially involved in sciences. And I guarantee you, 
you could check all the boxes. You could have peer-reviewed study after peer-reviewed study in your past. But if you said you wanted to study whether or not climate change is real or not, that skepticism, the idea of skepticism would disqualify you from getting it. Not not in the actual writing of the grant, not in actual what the description of the grant is, but in the application process, the people who are deciding would say this person is a skeptic or a climate change denier, so we aren't going to fund them. It would be disqualifying. Why? Because ultimately human beings decide. After all the boxes are checked, then they say this one is worthy, this one is not worthy. Fauci is lying right there. The Washington Post reporter has either no knowledge of how these things work because history began every morning when these people wake up. They're incredible narcissists and they're also stupid. Or he knows the truth, but he recognizes that his own teammate is floundering after a two minute long answer to a pretty basic question uh, that he decides to move on and go, let's... uh, Let's talk about those dastardly Republicans and their attacks on you, President Fauci, rather than doing any follow-up whatsoever, rather than doing anything that resembles remotely. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, journalism. You got to love it. We turn our gaze north here from Maryland, ladies and gentlemen, the time we have left to look at what Frankenstein's monster up there. Uh, he's, he's running away from every debate. He can't string together a coherent sentence. He wants to uh, kick the balls in the authority, things like that. And now the journalists out there, are pink, they're, they're recognizing that this guy could go down in flames and damage a bunch of Democrats, particularly in the state around them. So maybe they got to kind of separate him from the pack sacrifice him it's not going to work out well for fetterman maybe so they try and separate them so journalism is being done rare occurrence associated press in his campaign for a crucial u.s senate seat democrat john fetterman takes credit for reinventing pennsylvania's lieutenant governor's office transforming it from a political pit stop into a quote bully pulpit from which he's advanced progressive causes Records from Fetterman's four years in office, however, offer a different portrait of his time in the $179,000 a year elected job. My God, it's good to be a Democrat, isn't it? They show Fetterman typically kept a light schedule and was often absent from state business, including presiding over the state Senate, which is one of his chief duties, according to an Associated Press review of his daily calendar. The review found that Fetterman's daily schedule, listen to this, was blank during roughly one-third of workdays from January 2019 when he first took office to May of this year when he suffered a serious stroke. Even on days where his schedule showed he was active, a typical workday for Fetterman lasted between four and five hours, the record show. Four and five hours. He works two-thirds of the time, two-thirds of the time, meaning two-thirds of Mondays through Fridays. He's not working weekends at all. And he did nothing most of the time. On those days, he barely put in any time and he's working. 
The findings, which focus entirely on his tenure before his stroke, are notable because Fetterman points to his time as lieutenant governor as a leading credential in his Senate campaign, and as his bid for a seat that could swing the Senate majority becomes more competitive, some Democrats privately worry that Fetterman is proving a lackluster candidate and losing ground in the campaign. See, now the Democrats are saying this guy could lose this seat the consultant class that has been probably raking in a fortune from the Fetterman campaign have to distance themselves going, well, we're going to still hammer the checks, but anonymously, we want to make sure that everybody knows that it's a, he's a horrible candidate. It's not our fault. He's a horrible candidate. And Democrats around the state are going, this guy could be an anchor to us. We need to distance ourselves conceptually from him. It's kind of funny, but hell, could you imagine that kind of job? Where do you sign up for those kind of jobs where you're paid $179,000 to work two-thirds of the eligible days, and then on the days that you work, you work four to five hours? Four to five hours a day, and that's it. That's it. You get to yawn. You get to do whatever the hell it is you do. You get to, you get to spend time with your favorite pastime. Chasing down black dudes jogging with it with your shotgun. It's that's what Fetterman does. The guy owns one suit. Otherwise, he wears shorts and a hoodie. He walks around. He's got some weird sort of Lord Voldemort growth out of the back of his neck. Not sure what the hell is going on there. But if you saw the first Harry Potter movie, you have your suspicions. And that's it. And he is held out as a as a Democrat rising star. And finally, 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 it took this long for Democrats to take a sobering look at him and go, what in the, we can't, we've got to unhitch our wagon from this guy. We have to. Look, Dr. Oz is not a particularly compelling candidate. Most candidates aren't particularly compelling, but my God, he can string together a coherent sentence. I love how they're saying, well, he's a lackluster candidate. No, he's a no-show candidate. He refuses to debate because he can't. That's a problem. I would I would think that's a problem. For me, I'm not going to vote for the guy who goes, yeah, no, I can't debate. I'm going to vote for Wes Moore here in Maryland. He refuses to debate. Democrats can be cowards or need protection. All right, let's go from Frankenstein's monster to just monsters in general. The uh, Daily Signal, Mary Margaret Olhan, I'm seeing this. She's been following the attacks on crisis pregnancy centers across the country. Ever since the overturning of Roe, the left has been bombing, burning, butchering, disfiguring, dismantling, destroying crisis pregnancy centers because they're evil. They need, desire, want, crave, are sexually attracted to the uh, just abortion. It's weird how they are. So uh, Mary Margaret Olihan of the uh, Daily Signal reports, the FBI says it's investigating attacks against crisis pregnancy centers, faith-based institutions, and abortion clinics. When she asked for specifics on how many attacks it is investigating on pregnancy centers and faith-based institutions, the FBI curiously would not say. They wouldn't say. She reported on an attack back in June at a crisis pregnancy center up on Capitol Hill, paint was dumped on the front door and revenge and all sorts of other slurs were spray painted all over the building. 
She reports, remember when the Capitol Hill Crisis Pregnancy Center was vandalized? I found out today that MPD, the Metro Police, has suspended its investigation into this attack, pending more evidence. Oh, and the clinic director says that uh, she never heard from the FBI. Never once. Never once heard from the FBI. Leaving no stern, no stone, unoverturned. That's the FBI. People wonder why... The American public is losing faith in the FBI. Maybe it's because the FBI is busy arresting people for protesting outside of abortion clinics, which is constitutional, but uh, they're just kicking in people's doors because they're just intimidation. These cases will be tossed out. Uh, But it doesn't matter. They have become the personal Gestapo of Joe Biden, the little Stasi, quite frankly of the left it's disgusting it's disturbing how could they how could you speak that way about the fbi how could you not let's be honest how could you not look at what they're doing look at what they do whistleblowers telling the world hey they no longer investigating child molestation stories because why because they're prioritizing january 6th they're prioritizing the claims of democrats oh we've got to worry about domestic terrorism that's that's the politicization of things the left are an evil group of people they really truly are i don't i don't take pleasure in saying that i don't but it is it just is there's no other way to describe it now i want to play for you a clip from an ad in the iowa governor's race the candidate is governor kim reynolds right kim reynolds over there and she is um You got She's the governor of Iowa running for re-election. It's a basic campaign ad. At the beginning of it, the first voice you're going to hear is a voice from a TV. In the, it's a television ad. A voice from the TV in the ad while the governor's sitting there watching it is Cory Bush. Cory Bush is a member of Congress from St. Louis. She's a black woman. She has been one of the most vocal defund the police voices out there. She's also a liar. She also spends about $100,000 a year in taxpayer money to protect herself, to hire armed security while advocating for your disarmament and making sure that you can't defend yourself. She takes care of herself, saying that she has been threatened, so she is important. She must be protected. It's important to note, for the purposes of the editorial from the Des Moines Register, that Cori Bush is a black woman. It's unimportant in every other aspect related to this ad, but it is important to the left because that's all they see. So I think it's more important to note that Cory Bush is a rather dim-witted human being, but that's beside the point. Now, what you're about to hear has been deemed to be racist. I'll tell you why after you hear it. And defunding the police has to happen. Watching the news, you wonder, has the rest of the country lost its mind? Attacks on police, open borders, paying people not to work. Aren't you glad you live in Iowa? Governor Kim Reynolds. Here we still have common sense. We kept businesses open and kids in school. We cut taxes and support our police. Because in Iowa, America still works. Now that sounds like a pretty damn good ad to me. 
But the Iowa Des Moines Register, no, their headline, editorial, indefensible ads like Kim Reynolds can never make Iowa a better place. The subheadline, many have already noted how appalling this commercial is. We feel compelled to add our voice in calling it out. Calling what out? A primary aspiration for the Register's editorial board and opinion section is to identify and promote solutions for challenges that confront Iowa. Punditry about politicians' campaign commercials don't usually meet this bar, but Governor Kim Reynolds' most recent offering is hard to shrug off as just part of the noise. In 10 days since the 32nd commercial was released, its unsubtle message distinguishing mostly white Iowa from dangerous, quote, others has been denounced over and over in the news media and on social media. Oh, liberals are throwing a fit because it's an effective ad. We feel compelled to add our voice. The ad is dehumanizing. It's racist. It's embarrassing. It's defensible. It should be beneath any Iowa elected official. It takes it tells people to look different from uh, who look different from most Iowans that at best they are indeed different and at worst inferior. Reynolds dismisses the defund the police movement by wondering has the rest of the country lost its mind? It is as though she believes that's the only plausible justification for such a view. This is a newspaper. This is the newspaper of record in Iowa. God, I wish I could tell them where they can go and stuff it. And now they could go and do things to themselves forever and ever and ever. Critics found fault with the Republican governor's first TV ad this cycle, too. It's not out of bounds for an incumbent to put on rose-tinted glasses or otherwise draw on hyperbole to make the substantive case about the effects of their leadership. But the new ad goes beyond stretching the facts. It's important to be clear about exactly what pushes this commercial into different realms. Blah, blah, blah. Video of it. Then she goes on to say that it is because they used a video of a black woman, a member of Congress. She's a member of Congress. She gets a vote. She is pushing in Congress to defund police nationally. She celebrates the defunding of police. Cori Bush does. Like I said, she's an idiot. She's not a very bright person. But the Des Moines Register, this is racist because she's black. No, no, I would agree. It is racist that you seem to think that it is racist to talk about her, to use what she said, a direct quote and video of her saying it, because she's black. You are therefore advocating that she should be treated differently because she is black. That's the very definition of racism, Iowa Des Moines Register. I hate to break it to you, but do you want to find a Klansman? Find a progressive. And you guys, you can just probably find a mirror. I hate these people. Have I mentioned that lately? All right. Well, you can hear all about it tonight at midnight at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com, where the week in F and review will be posted. And uh, we'll let loose with the way these people deserve to be treated. My God, can't stand them. Also, don't forget to enter the contest. The drawing will be Sunday. Good luck to you, whether it's, what is, who the hell is it? Megan Kelly versus Sarah Palin, autographed books. Have a great weekend either way. We'll see you tonight or Monday.